Our call to worship is a selection from Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Young men and women alike, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord. And now let's pray together. Loving God, we gather today to worship you just a few short days after celebrating the birth of Christ. The gifts have been opened, admired, enjoyed and put away. The dinner has been eaten, leftovers transformed into sandwiches, soups and curries. The films watched, the games played, the jumpers worn and now it is done for another year. But you are never done with us. You were there in George Square as tragedy struck just days before Christmas. You were there in hospice, hospital and home as final goodbyes were whispered. You were there in the maternity unit as new babies were born. And you are here with us now, aware of all that is going on in our lives, sharing our joys and sorrows, surrounding us with love, offering us peace, and leading us onwards in faith as we begin again on the journey of everyday life, waiting to discover what will happen next. Amen. The first reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. The second shepherd. In your nativity plays, it's first shepherd who gets the speaking part. Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, that the Lord has made known to us. Or something along those lines. Actually, if you look what Luke says, we all kind of joined in 
a murmuring consensus that this is what we should do? Well, anyway, I'm the second shepherd. No speaking part for me, but nevertheless, I was there. We went to Bethlehem, stumbling down the sheep tracks in the dark, running helter-skelter as if our very lives depended on it. And after roaming the streets for a while, we did find the house where Mary and Joseph were staying in the animal quarters. And sure enough, there was a baby sleeping in the feed trough. That's a, that's a good plan, I thought, actually. Do you know what? That's, it's safe from the bites of the rats that are scurrying across the floor. And it's sheltered from the drafts that are blowing in through that open doorway. He was just like any other baby. All wrinkled and slightly reddish from the birth process. Still the odd smear of blood his eyes tight shut and the tiny fingers clenched into a fist. The snuffling breathing. The new baby smell was just like one of my own. And yet it wasn't. Because this baby had caused us to take leave of our senses, abandon our sheep, risk our very livelihoods, and embark on a fool's errand. Something had changed, but we weren't quite sure what. So what happened next? Well, we had to leave We had to get back to work. We couldn't risk losing even one of those sheep entrusted to our care. So we stepped back into the stillness of the night and wended our way back. But as the first light of dawn began to break, we couldn't help ourselves. Anyone we met, we said to them, guess what's happened? Some of them thought we were drunk. Some of them decided that we were mad. But mostly, they were amazed, astounded, shocked, intrigued. And mostly, they hoped, just as we hoped, that it might actually be true. After a day or two, though, all the fuss died down. And we'd sit out on the hills, warming ourselves by the fire, listening to the bleating of wakeful sheep. And we'd remind each other of that night, long, long ago. I can't help wondering, though, for that family... What happened next? And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when a time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
Do you like watching the credits at the end of a film or a TV program and all those names rolling up? You see the minor characters listed, unnamed, one by one in the order in which they appear. Well, I might not be in a film or a drama, though I'm hinted at in a book, but I was there. I am the unnamed priest. One of the most poignant tasks entrusted to me is the circumcision of baby boys and the making of the sacrifice to redeem the firstborn. They come to me, mothers and fathers, clutching their precious bundle, wrapped up tightly for warmth and safety. And their anxious eyes watch my every move as, as gently as I can, I unwrap the baby and lay him naked to perform the rite. Sometimes the parents gasp or shudder as the knife does its work, as a tiny trickle of infant blood is shed. Sometimes the child screams. Other times a shocked silence. Gently, I wrap them up. I hold them for a moment, pray a silent blessing over them, and hand them back to the care of their mothers. Was this one any different? Was he somehow more special? No, he wasn't. He was just one more peasant baby who I held and circumcised and blessed. Of course I wondered, because I always do, how his life would work out. Would he be healthy or would he succumb to some childhood illness? Would he be led astray by zealots or religious fanatics? But the thing is, I can't control the outcome, not for any of them. So I handed this one back to his parents, took the two pigeons and made the offering. Ritual complete. Life goes on. There's always another baby boy being brought along. Always another vulnerable new life. But every now and then, I do pause and I do wonder what happened next. From Luke chapter 2, verse 27. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Nothing changes, does it? In every church or synagogue or temple, there they are, the faithful older folk, dependable, reliable, in the background, keeping things ticking over, almost invisible to those who scurry in and out week by week. We were like that, Simeon and I, two old people on nodding acquaintance who both seemed to spend most of our lives in the temple. Well, to be honest, when you get to our age, what else is there to do? No children or grandchildren to care for or be cared for by. Just the temple and prayer. And if you looked around yourselves, well, Pax Romana or no Pax Romana, things seem to be getting worse all the time. The uprisings and the quellings. The messianic claims that came to nothing as yet another pretender came to a sticky end. Frankly, all we could do was pray. Sometimes I'd see a couple bring their child to the priest. And sometimes it would actually just be the father, perhaps accompanied by an aunt or the grandparents, because the wife hadn't survived the delivery. I'd watch them, anxious faces on the way in, relief on the way out. Some of them were healthy and happy, others sickly and vulnerable. Some seemed to be full of hopes and dreams, whilst others were overshadowed by fear, ground down by poverty. I don't know what it was that drew us to this couple, to this baby. But we both saw it. Something, well, something different. Kind of, maybe, divine. Simeon smiled at the mother, reached out and lifted the baby into his arms. 
His tired, wizened face broke into an infectious smile. His eyes lit up and he spoke a blessing on the family. Now, he said, now I can die happy. Now I have seen the promise fulfilled. Now I am ready to be gathered to my maker. Me? I was thrilled. I was delighted. I was bewildered because this very ordinary baby wasn't quite so ordinary. I looked at all the people milling around. I tugged at the arm of one of them. Look, I said, look, the one who will redeem Israel. I turned and embraced another. It's finally happening, I shouted. I looked around once more, just in time to see them walking down the steps before they were lost amongst the crowds outside the temple. I'd probably never see them again. I'd probably gathered to my maker before this child grew up. But I continue to wonder. I continue to ask myself when I remember that day. What happened next? When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, felt this wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. It had been a hectic few weeks, the culmination of several traumatic months. The stories of angels and dreams and a baby conceived outside of wedlock. The coming to terms with it all. The sojourn to the home of Elizabeth, away from judging eyes. The woody, wouldn't he, woody, wouldn't he, about the marriage. The long, arduous journey south. The registration. The house so full that we had to sleep in the downstairs animal shelter. The agony of labour attended by an unknown midwife. The ecstasy of feeling his skin against my own. The disruption of shepherds blundering through the doorway just as I'd got him off to sleep. And then a quiet week, bonding with my baby son, discovering a love I had not imagined possible, experiencing a fear I could not explain. The short, treacherous journey to the temple, afraid I might drop him. The kindly but firm priest who stripped him naked and drew blood as ritual demanded. The old man and the elderly widow who were so delighted in my newborn. And now, finally, we can go home.
back to Nazareth, back to obscurity. But I can't help wondering what will happen next. And now let's come to God with our prayers for others and for each other. Let's pray. Mary's child, born in a borrowed room, born to show us the love of God, born to teach us the ways of God, who living and dying and rising restores us with God. We bring you our prayers for this world where sadness and sorrow and sin and death still stalk our streets. In this week, when we cannot help but remember the events in George Square, and when we remember the family of Althea, we pray for your arms of comfort to be around all who mourn. We thank you for the way you came alongside everyone who was hurting in the emergency services in the ordinary men and women who just did what they felt they should do. In the workers in the home, in hospitals and other places where people have gone for safety. Lord, be with each person so affected as they discover what happens next. As the news breaks of another missing airline, airliner, as we hear of hacking and threats of terrorism, we recognise that there are people in our world who, for whatever reason, feel moved to violence and destruction. We pray for those who work for peace, for the people trying to track that airliner and hopefully bring it back safely, for the anxious families of those on board. Lord, you are there in good people and surrounding each situation with your love. We trust that you are still there as they discover what happens next. And in the silence of our hearts, we bring to you the names of people and places for whom we feel concern or anxiety, where there is a need for wholeness and healing, love, hope, Renewal, restoration, reconciliation, whatever it might be. Asking that you will be very present. 
Mary's child. We know that you will be with those whom we have named and in those places we have remembered. As in each case, the discovery emerges of what happens next. We have sung that you are coming soon to reign. And so we gather in our prayers for the incoming of that kingdom as we say in our own languages and in our own preferred versions, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and as we forgive those who trespass against us. here, you know, the wise ones, three, who followed yonder star and arrived to find the child sometime later. Well, probably, possibly, (coughs) as much as two years later. Thankfully, by then, they were back again in Bethlehem, probably visiting relatives, and so we did actually manage to find them. It all felt, really, rather ridiculous. We'd imagined a palace a young prince, suitably attired. And what we found was a peasant child toddling around in a humble house, watched over by his parents as he played in the dust. You know our story, of course. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. The journey back by a different route... The ensuing carnage as a jealous puppet king wiped out a whole generation of his own kind. We went back home. Back to our own kind of obscurity. Back to the world that we knew. And we did wonder from time to time what happened next. But that's it then, isn't it? That is the Christmas story done and dusted for another year. You will travel on to Epiphany and beyond. Spot the reference to Toy Story? Okay, don't. The story is now in your hands. In our hands. It's up to us to tell the next chapter in this story of Mary's baby, the son of David, the son of God. So actually, it's over to us now. We will determine what happens next. God, in whom time and eternity have their origin and their end, bless us with the courage and faith that we need to step out into tomorrow we cannot see, knowing that whatever happens next, you are with us, and that your mercy, love and grace continue to surround us now 
and always.